I'm not 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Say me what? 
Inside we're much the same Different faces, different names Can we still share joy and pain? We may all feel different But we share a beating heart Why should we be torn apart From each other? We may all think different And at times we don't agree Can we understand and see That we're still a family We may all be different But in learning to respect We can heal and reconnect To each other In a world that is crying out in pain You and I are the ones who can make things change
If I dare to reach out to you, will you cross the divide? We can build it all anew if we can unite. So let's bring the joy and peace to our families and homes with the blessing of Shalom. And the harmony are a vessel that holds all the good we could ever see and the blessings untold. Take the challenge and join with me, watch the wonders unfold. We're all in this. Together, 
JM in the AM, Wednesday morning. Got to thank Avrami for reminding me about the brand new Benny Friedman album because uh, all that material came from it. It's amazing. Abishter, Narayisi, and we may all be different. That's a, a selection done with Joey Newcomb. Oh, the uh, Narayisi done with Revi Schwabel. Great job on all of those from uh, Benny Friedman, brand new here at JM in the AM. You heard AKA Pella, Rifa Enu, Rananu, Ivdu, and Hentalach. And uh, Regesh, of course, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this 21st of April, day nine in the month of ER, the year 5781. Tufshin Pei Aleph. Today is day number 24 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 24, that's three weeks and three days. 24, right? Yeah. <laughs> was wondering what I counted. Uh, day number 24 in the counting of the Omer. That's three weeks and three days. Oh, halfway. We're just about the halfway mark through the Omer, which means we are, uh, what, three weeks away from Pesach already? Pesach ended for us here on the 4th of April, and now it's the 21st of April. Yeah, almost three weeks, uh, almost two weeks. No, almost three weeks, yeah. Almost three weeks since the uh, end of Pesach. Anyway, uh, welcome to JM in the AM. I really got to send a uh, a reminder to one of my groups about the Omer. It's amazing, with all the Omer reminders out there, it's amazing how many it takes for everyone to actually remember to count. <laughs> 58 degrees with 54% humidity, winds are south at 5 miles per hour. Thunderstorms today, very windy weather and a high temperature of 66. Then tonight, cloudy, then clear, a low 36. What's going on here? I don't want to get back into the 30s. Who knows what it'll feel like tomorrow morning. Uh, mostly cloudy with a uh, high of 52 for tomorrow, for Thursday. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 73, as listener Tikva indicated uh, from Israel. The um, Sharav seems to be over in Israel. The weather has cooled down in the Holy Land. So it's 73 right now in Yerushalayim. I think it is going up this weekend, back into the mid-80s. Uh, 58 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Can't wait to get to Israel. Looks more and more likely, please God, please God, please God, that we will be there in May, which will be amazing, to say the least. And uh, hopefully that'll happen. Uh, our friends at Mizrahi, not only are they sponsoring our big Lagba Omer event nine days from now, a five-hour musical marathon. Well, it's actually a radio marathon. Yeah, it's a five-hour radio marathon with a whole bunch of incredible live music uh, with Avram Rosenblum, the Diasperados, and of course, Arye Kunstler, part of that, etc., etc. Shmiel Ramres, who, by the way, gets a Mazel Tov, which I'll explain in a moment, he's going to be part of that band as well. Yeah, a real super band, a real, real super band doing massive amounts of diaspora hits and so many other great things that Avram Rosenblum is responsible for. It's all happening Friday, the 30th of April in Rahway, New Jersey. If you want to join us and be there, uh, there'll be a full breakfast. There'll be a minion. It'll be a, it'll be quite a scene, and, um, and you're invited. Uh, it's a $500 donation to come down and be part of it. 
those of you who want to sponsor the event, which we are really investing a tremendous amount to bring you an, an incredible international production, if you want to, if you want to help us out and give a donation specifically for the event, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you for that. As more and more people continue to add to the list of sponsors for that event, which is really, really nice, to say the least. And um, and that's that. We're getting ready for next Friday. Anyway, right, so <laughs> Mizrahi, Mizrahi RZA is the, uh, the Religious Scientists of America. They are the presenting sponsor of that event, and it is with them, please God, that we're going to be heading to Israel at the end of May. Uh, they've announced a website um, about all of their upcoming missions so that you can get a, a jump on uh, on signing up for, for any one of their upcoming missions. Go to rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home. Simple as that. Also, remember our friends from Yatar Israel are one of our sponsors of next week's event. And I'm going there right now to the website to see how we're doing. So, so close to raising the $85,000 for the brand new ATV for um, for uh, Talman Asher. And what are we at? Uh, oh, we're over uh, we're over $78,500. They they are less they are less than $6,500 away from their goal. So, if you have a few dollars to give to uh, Yatar Israel for this ATV, they are this close to uh, getting to their goal and um, and getting it uh, uh, getting it going uh, in terms of protecting the border of Israel in that area. Uh, so they're at seventy eight thousand six hundred. They've got to get to eighty five thousand. Go to charity.com slash yatar israel again. That's charity with a D. Charity.com slash yatar israel y a t a r. And we're going to speak to them. Is it this week? Are we speaking to them tomorrow? Oh, if they're not over the goal tomorrow, then we should be able to push them over with a conversation. Are they scheduled? Yeah, they're scheduled for tomorrow. Oh, and Mizrahi's scheduled for tomorrow. All right, we get a lot of talk about next week's event tomorrow on the air here at JMNAM. By the way, a lot of people talking about the Hadassah Lieberman interview. Thank you. Thank you. As always, this show, it gets into stuff that nobody else would explore. That's the bottom line, and I appreciate her uh, giving us so much time yesterday. The book is called Hadassah, An American Story. Hadassah, An American Story. Buy it. By the way, the account in the first couple of chapters of what her parents went through in Europe is chilling. And a must, unfortunately, it's a must read. A must, must read. And there's so much more, obviously. I mean, she becomes one of the more well-known women in American you know, in modern American history, frankly, I mean, everyone, the whole country knows who she is. So you can imagine the story, but the, the, the beginning chapters are really something. You have to read them. Later on today, David Fishoff. Been a while since he's been on the air. They did a documentary about him. I think it's called Rock Camp. Rock Camp, I believe it's called. Don't worry, I'll look it up. And the reason I'm saying it like that is because... <laughs> is because we're, we've invited David on to basically tell everybody why the Jewish music scene is better than rock camp. Uh, and I'll explain all of that when he's on in the 8 o'clock hour. He'll be joining us. He's on the East Coast right now, and he'll be joining us. Uh, plus, we'll talk a little bit about NCSY and one of their events later on as well. Well, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. That's right. There's no other way to say it. 
all of us, all of us here at the Nahum Siegel Network get a big mazel tov, mazel tov, mazel tov. <laughs> That's right. It's not just it's not just the Hassan's mother uh, and brother who get a mazel tov. It's not just the uh, Kala's family who gets a mazel tov. It is us here at the Nahum Siegel Network who get a major mazel tov. And that is because last night, our very own Yoni Pollock, our very own director of operations and somebody who seriously over the last five and a half years has been one of the backbones of the growth of the Nahum Siegel Network, and that is no exaggeration, uh, Yoni and uh, Haley Ramras of Teaneck, New Jersey, became a very, very recently engaged couple. This happened last night. A um, I, I, And I mentioned that Shmiel, Haley's father, is going to be with us next week uh, at the big show, the uh, big five-hour Lagba Omer spectacular. Uh, so a very, very big mazel tov to Haley's wonderful parents and the entire Ramras family. A very, very big mazel tov to uh, Mrs. Pollock down in Houston. And, of course, uh, uh, Yoni's uh, brother and sister-in-law and uh, an entire family out in the Fairlawn. And, of course, to our very own Yoni Pollock, a very, very major mazel tov. So um, Haley and Yoni are engaged. Uh, it, it, for the record, it happened April the 20th of 2021, <laughs> for those of you who want to include it in the historical records, and uh, we wish them the very best. Great, great news. You can imagine just how uh, how thrilled all of us are here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Yoni is part of our uh, amazing family, and um, and the news is just Wonderful, just great and spectacular news. So mazal tov to the Chatan and Kala, mazal tov to the Chassan and Kala from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. And I know that that everybody joins me in wishing a mazal tov, but I am going to uh, single out both Miriam L. Wallach and, uh, and Jamie Turkel because I know that they join me with enthusiastic mazal tov wishes. By the way, as does every member of the Siegel family uh, whose reaction, who, the, the, who whose reactions we're very similar to each other. Uh, I think everybody included the word finally in their Mazel Tov wishes in the family group last night. So <laughs> everybody, a lot of people were thinking the same thing, but certainly all of us were thinking how happy we are uh, for Yoni and uh, Haley, and we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JMDM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Wednesday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up. Yay, Simcha-filled Wednesday. Even in the middle of Sphira. We come up with amazing news to share with everybody. How cool is that? Even in the middle of Sphera, we figure out a way to um, to come up with wonderful news. Let's do one more from the brand new Benny Friedman. We'll do one more, and um, and then we'll continue here at uh, JM in the AM. This is a uh, this is a um, selection entitled Vahaviosim. And again, hello, good morning, welcome to a Wednesday, day 24 of the Omer at JM in the AM.
More from A.K.A. Pella here at JM in the AM. Ekra and Umacha. Wednesday morning, day 24 in the counting of the Omer. 58 degrees, thunderstorms, very windy, and a high temperature of 66. I want to thank um, Alinda Spiegel for joining us yesterday. The Margaret Teets Nursing and Rehab Center has the evening of inspiration coming up in memory of Rabbi Schoenfeld. It's happening on April the 27th. This coming Tuesday at 7 p.m. Rabbi Noah Isaac Elbaum, Rabbi Eitan Feiner. Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld, Rabbi Chaim Schwartz. It'll be moderated by Rabbi Zavol Perlman, Coordinator of Jewish Affairs, and Margaret Teets. It'll be carried by the Queen's Jewish Link website, the Yeshiva World website, and obviously at margaretteets.org. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We'll give you more uh, information as we get closer. Um, yeah. And, of course, don't forget, I don't know how you can forget at this point, <laughs> we don't stop reminding you, our JMNAM Logboomer live musical extravaganza is coming up on Logboomer Friday morning, April the 30th. And we'll give you more information as we get closer. I'm going to try to get out from Rosenblum on this week to start talking about the music portion of that show, a five-hour extravaganza. Galitza on the background to our news from Israel. Galitza, oh, first let me tell you, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galitza on the background, Galitza, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM in the AM. גליצל מירושלים השעה שתיים, באולפן טל שנהב עם מה שקורה עכשיו. כתב אישום הוגש הבוקר נגד ז'אק רביבו בן החמישים ותשע מקריית עתה, באשמת אונס ילדה בת שבע, וכן בעבירות של ההחזקה וצריכת פרסום תועבה. א', אביה של הילדה שנאנסה, שוחח עם יעל דן בגלי צה"ל. ראיתי שהבן שלי קיבל מכה בעין, ואז דיברתי איתם על שצריך לשמור על הגוף, צריך לשמור על עצמך. אז היא התחילה להגיד לי, אבא, אני לא יודעת לשמור על הגוף שלי. ואז היא סיפרה לי את כל הזוועות האלו שהוא עשה לה. קשה לה לעבור אה, ליד האזור הזה שזה קרה. היא אומרת לי, אבא, אני לא מסתכלת. אה, היא מפחדת מאנשים מבוגרים, היא בוכה. חוזרים לעבודה לאחר פתיחת המשק. דמי האבטלה יקוצצו ב-10% בעוד 30 יום, זאת לפי חוק רשת הביטחון הכלכלית לקורונה. הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה מעדכנת ששיעור העובדים המובטלים ובחל"ת בחודש מרס הסתכם ב-9.5% שהם 385,000 איש. בווינה נמשכות השיחות בין ארצות הברית והמעצמות לבין איראן בנוגע להסכם הגרעין. בתחילת השבוע הבא יצאו לוושינגטון ראש המוסד, ראש המטה לביטחון לאומי והרמטכ"ל אביב כוכבי לסדרת פגישות עם עמיתיהם האמריקנים. 
שגריר ישראל באו"ם לשעבר דני דנון מעריך אצל אמיר איבגי, ההסכם כמעט מוכן. לצערי הרב, ארצות הברית דוהרת לחזור להסכם הגרעין שנחתם בתקופת אובמה. אנחנו מקיימים מגעים שקטים, גם ראש המוסד, ראש המל"ל, מבקרים, מדברים. אבל ממה שאני שומע מידידים שונים בארצות הברית ובאירופה, ההסכם כמעט גמור, ולצערנו הרב זה נראה רע מאוד. ישראל מנסה לבטל את החוזה שלה לרכישת חיסונים מחברת אסטרזניקה. נבחנת גם האפשרות למכירת החיסונים למדינה שלישית. כך פרסמה הבוקר לראשונה כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. הממונה על הקורונה, פרופסור נחמן אש, אמר בגלי צה"ל, מבחינתנו, הכי טוב שחיסוני אסטרזניקה לא יגיעו לארץ. אין לנו צורך כרגע בחיסונים, לא רוצים שהם יגיעו לפה וחס וחלילה נזרוק את הנופך. כרגע אנחנו מנסים לראות מול החברה איך לעשות את זה בצורה הטובה ביותר. מבחינתנו הכי טוב שהם לא יגיעו לארץ, ונסכים עם החברה על איזושהי הטיה שלהם או הצטה שלהם למקום אחר. המתיחות בין רוסיה לאוקראינה. פוטין שיגר מסר לקייב ואמר כי מוסקבה תגיב בתקיפות לכל פרובוקציה זרה נגדה. כתבת חדשות החוץ, ציון סימפסון גרוסמן. את המסר שיגר פוטין לקייב בעקבות החשש מהסלמה בגבול עם אוקראינה, לאחר שמוקדם יותר היום טענו בקרמלין כי צבא אוקראינה בסיוע נאטו מתגבר כוחות בגבול בין המדינות ובחצי האי קרים וכי מוצבים שם כעת 100,000 חיילים. עוד הבהיר בנאום מצב האומה השנתי שלו בפני בכירים בממשל ומחוקקים כי רוסיה מקווה ליחסי חוץ טובים עם יתר המדינות אם שלא ינסו לחצות את הקווים האדומים של מוסקבה כלשונו. ומזג האוויר ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות בפנים הארץ ובהרים עדיין מעט חם מהרגיל לעונה. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Wednesday morning with Mendy Werdiger and Lule. Rananu from an album entitled Rananu Tzadikim before that here at JMNAM. Wednesday morning on this 21st of April, the 9th of ER, we are just, well, what second? Today's the 24th day in the counting of the year. We're nine days away from a um, a show that yesterday I declared is one of the best JMNAMs in history. <laughs> Hasn't taken place yet. I was telling someone yesterday that... Uh, I'm approaching 9,400 JM in the AMs, according to Matis's count, and um, and I'm already declaring next Friday is one of the best in history. Uh, Mizrahi, RZA, Religious Zionists of America, present the JM in the AM Lagbomer live musical extravaganza. It's a Friday morning five-hour radio show, and it is a radio show. I want to make that clear, by the way, <laughs> for those of you who are uh, expecting music and music only. We're doing a radio show. But the five-hour special will include about two and a half hours of incredible live music by Avram Rosenblum, Star of Diaspora, and the Diasperados, plus Aryeh Kunstler. Friday, April 30th, JM in the AM will start at 6 a.m., go to 11. And, of course, it'll be available at NahumSingle.com, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, on our app, obviously, audio-wise. Um... And I hope everyone's going to watch them around the world. For for a lot of people, it'll be like Bomer afternoon Friday. Not much to do. Perfect time to listen. Uh, for a lot of people in these parts, it'll be like Bomer morning Friday. Great, um, great show to have on in your office, in your home, etc. As you're preparing for Shabbos. So get set. Yeah, Tar Israel is one of our sponsors, by the way. And we are trying to remind everybody to give generously to the Atar uh, a charity fund, charity campaign. Uh, they are just over $78,500. They are $6,500 away from the goal of uh, buying that ATV for Tal Menashe to increase the security on the borders of Israel. So uh, go to charity.com slash Yatar Israel, charity with a D, dot com slash Yatar Israel, Y-A-T-A-R. And to help them get to the goal. Um, what else did I remind, remind everybody about this morning here at JM and AM? Uh, I want to thank the chair people, the chairman of the event uh, coming up on Lagba Omer, 
Our general chairman, Steve Adelsberg, thank you. I want to thank Ralph Rosenbaum, our New Jersey chairman. Those of you for lo looking for uh, tax tips and tax scams to avoid, you can email Ralph. We'll send you all that stuff absolutely free. It's ralph at taxcpa2.com, ralph at taxcpa2.com. Feel free to comment on the app. Um, listener Arnie says, you were so prepared with the interview with Hadassah. Of course, she was delightful, making it easier with her pleasant personality. Great job. Thank you, Arnie. I appreciate that very much. It was a great conversation yesterday. If you missed it, folks, check out the archive of uh, my conversation with Hadassah Lieberman. The brand new book. I, I'm sort of calling it a must read because the again, her life story is amazing and it's great, and we have a lot to be proud of. Uh, it, her being one of the most visible Orthodox Jews out there, but uh, the first couple of chapters about what her parents went through in Europe, wow, how they how they survived that horror, I don't know, and it's so important to read. Uh, the book is called Hadassah, an American Story. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Listener Judy. <laughs> Judy Landy. A great comment. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Now I can take Yoni off my shidduch list. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the Kala is uh, is Haley Ramras, Judy. She asked for the Kala's name. Haley Ramras of Teaneck, New Jersey. Mazal Tov. Wow. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> oh, that's a funny line. Um, that is funny. And we are celebrating here. Yeah, we're celebrating. Our very own Yoni Pollock is a Chatan. And we are celebrating. Baruch Hashem. 58 degrees, thunderstorms, very windy today, and a high temperature of 66. Yeah, be careful out there. Lots of wind and rain expected. Uh, I'll try not to interrupt my Goldwasser today. My <laughs> David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in the Torah, One should surely correct their friend. If we see someone doing something that is not correct, going off the path, veering from Torah or from a mitzvah, whether it is intentional or unintentional, we should reproach them, we should tell them, we should try to softly correct them. However, the Talmud says, even if a person has to repeat it a hundred different times, the Talmud Bavli Meseches Yevamos tells us, Kishem Adam, just like it is a mitzvah for a person, Lomar Dover Hanishma, to say something that will be listened to, Kach Mitzvah Adam, so too it is a mitzvah for a person, Shalolomar, not to say, Dover Nishma, something that will not be listened to. If the one who has sinned already didn't listen after three times, it's a chazaka. There's no need to repeat it a hundred times. It also contradicts a different saying of our great sages, which we find in the Talmud Bavli, Meseches Erechen. Adhechen techacha. How far do we have to go in terms of being mochiach, our friend? 
Rav Omar Araka. Rav says until you get hit. Shmuel Omar Ad Klolo. Shmuel says until he begins to curse you. Rabbi Yochanan Omar Ad Nazifa. Rabbi Yochanan says until the person is scorned. So it looks like there's no end. How can we understand this? On one hand, we learn that it's a mitzvah not to say something that won't be listened to. On the other hand, we learn Araka, until a person gets hit. It's explained by Rabbi Chesko Lipschitz that the mitzvah of being mochiach, aside from the main purpose of preventing the individual from committing a sin in Avera, there's also a different benefit. To let the people know, Ein ruach He shouldn't think that, God forbid, because a person is quiet, they're silent, they didn't say anything, that what he's doing is okay. We have to let everyone know that this is not correct. We have to raise a mild voice of protest. Because of this, even if he doesn't listen after a hundred times and he doesn't stop, the second reason is still in place. That is why the Chachamim gave these particular Gedarim so that we should know the reason no one is saying anything is not because they think what the person is doing is right, but rather they're afraid of getting hit. At that point, one becomes completely exempt from correcting their fellow man. May all of us always stand up for what is right and what is just. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. I was told to speak to you, Hashem Maybe you can tell me who I am I've been lost too long to know where I belong In the end, my only hope is that you'll hold my hand How am I supposed to see your path? With so many questions I have to ask Now I'm standing here alone I'm losing hope And in the end My tears are falling to you I shed I am here.
Benny Friedman, acapella version, Tati, my king. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM, day 24 in the counting of the Omer. Well, we have a um, we have had some amazing conversations with our friends from Turo College over the last few months. And uh, th- there are a lot of, how do I put this, a lot of typical departments uh, that a college at a university would uh, speak about on these airwaves and in general, you know, in public settings especially when it comes to our community. And and frankly, this is one of the conversations I have been most anticipating because I believe it is one of the most fascinating areas that does not get as much attention as other areas of academia and degrees uh, when it comes to uh, our community. And with that in mind, I am introducing and welcoming to the airwaves Dr. Henry Cohen, who is dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. He's the uh, dean of the Turo College uh, pharmacy um, uh, school, and uh, he, he was offered to us as a guest because of all the, the, the questions people have about the vaccine, etc. with COVID-19. I'm going to start with the opposite and ask him some general questions about this whole uh, incredible um, genre of education <laughs> at Turo, and then we'll get, of course, into the COVID-19 conversation. Dr. Henry Cohen, a real pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Good morning, and a pleasure to be here. How long has the Turo College of Pharmacy been in existence? So the school uh, was founded and opened in uh, 2008. So we're still a relatively young school, but we have uh, a good experience at this point. And and I hope I wasn't out of line, but I, I think you know what I mean, that when it comes to departments and schools like this, they do not get the attention that other departments and schools get in university settings and yet you are responsible for some amazing careers in a, in a really important field out there uh do you find that uh, that that people do react like i do they don't realize uh, just how prominent 
uh, the pharmacy profession, and in your case, the pharmacy school is? Yes, uh, you know, I always find myself as the as, as the dean, as uh, ambassador for for pharmacy and uh, <laughs> championing the profession. And I think uh, you know everyone is familiar with that with the drugstore on the block, and yeah. they're everywhere. Whether it's the uh, the chain pharmacies, the CVSs and Walgreens, or the community pharmacy, the local pharmacy, they they are ubiquitous and and everywhere. But it's the other career paths that I often like to teach people about so they can understand what the role of, uh, of the pharmacist is. And there's some really wonderful career paths that I, I would love to mention. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. But it's funny, on the point you just made, for some reason, and again, this is not a conscious thing on, on the part of people, I'm sure. It's just, you know, the way humans are. Uh, I, I think that there's a, an era, there's a degree of expertise that people appreciate when they go to certain professionals, law, medical, etc., and, and the pharmacist, I don't know, the pharmacist just seems to be like your local friend and not somebody who might be an absolute expert in a really important field. And, and that just might be the impression out there. So maybe that's why the uh, – maybe, maybe the pharmacy, maybe the pharmacists are too friendly and, and too much involved with customer service that people don't realize the expertise they bring to the table. Yeah, well, you know, one of the nice things about, about the pharmacist, and, and certainly I think you've seen this during the COVID pandemic – is that, um, you know, they're everywhere. So the convenience of visiting your pharmacist to get your COVID vaccine or your flu vaccine or be tested for COVID um, is, is critically important to uh, wellness and, and good health uh, during this difficult time. It, uh, is there an increase, by the way, over the last, I don't know, 15 months? Are you seeing more and more people? Because we know that, you know, people call it the Fauci effect when it comes to medical school. Are more people interested in medicine, uh, vaccines, et cetera, and looking at your school more seriously because of what's going on in this country? Yes, they are. We have seen an uptick in uh, applications and enrollments by wow. uh, by pharmacy students, interesting candidates. So, so we have seen that, and I think uh, one of the silver linings for the profession of pharmacy during the pandemic is that it has highlighted the role of the pharmacist. And and we are the drug expert, and we and, and yeah. uh, patients come to us uh, uh, to dose their medications, to get counseled on how to take uh, their drugs and side effects, and and what outcomes to expect. Yeah. But I think more importantly, they're realizing that you can go to your pharmacist to get any vaccine that you need. You can get tested for COVID and, and flu and, and other uh, diseases. So the role of the pharmacist is really integral within the healthcare system. Can you get the COVID-19 now at a, at a pharmacy or we're not at that point yet? Yes, you can. Uh, uh, in New York, many community pharmacies do have the COVID vaccine. They usually receive them in, in uh, lots of 100 doses at a time. Uh, and you can also get them uh, in many of your chains at this point. So it has become readily available now. Dr. Henry Cohen's with us, Dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. Um, it, it opened in 2008, and it is flourishing. Okay, what did you mean by other career paths and settings that pharmacists can pursue? Sure. So um, what, I, what I always love to mention is the role of the pharmacist in ambulatory care in the, in the clinic environment. Uh, uh, pharmacists in, in, in all states, and certainly New York, if they work collaboratively with physicians, they can prescribe medications uh, in many ways like a physician assistant can. Um, and in essence, what uh, many health systems have are pharmacists who work in different clinics. It could be a blood pressure clinic, a cholesterol clinic, asthma clinic, diabetes clinic, where you see the physician on the first visit, and then for all subsequent visits, you then get triaged to see the pharmacist who will then do a, a targeted physical exam. They might take your blood pressure, vital signs, 
they then would review uh, your medication with you and reconcile your medication, counsel you, prescribe different drugs as needed, um, and uh, work together with the physician to manage your care over the rest of, the, of, of your disease lifetime. Uh, so that's, I think, a very exciting role that pharmacists play. The other role that I, I always like to talk about as well is pharmacists and hospitals and health systems. Right. I often say these big hospitals sometimes employ a couple of hundred pharmacists. Someone has to manage that medication, and not only are they in charge of mixing and preparing medications, all the intravenous drugs have to be uh, prepared, mixed by pharmacists, but the pharmacists are part of every medical team. So when you go into the critical care unit, for instance, there is a pharmacist who's highly trained, who's completed a residency program and is a specialist who will be overseeing your medication management. They will prescribe or manage your antibiotic therapy. They will dose your drugs uh, using uh, special pharmacy calculations. They will do medication reconciliation when you come in. And when you leave the hospital, they'll do discharge interviews and make sure that you go home on the right medications and you're counseled on the side effects outcomes to be expected, and what to do when you get these side effects. And, and, you know, it's funny because many of us look at the setup of a pharmacy and we see, you know, how much technology has now, you know, the individual packs, and, 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 and you don't even need sometimes in, in some pharmacies, you know, individuals, individual pharmacists don't even have to count out pills. It's all done by machine, et cetera. But the reality is that medications get so much more complicated, and there's so much more information out there about all of them, and there's so many more of all of them that the role of consultant as a pharmacist is much, much more than it used to be. So people think that technology has made the job easier. I think as time goes by, it becomes more complicated, frankly. You know, Nathan, you couldn't have said that any better. You know, one of the major roles in pharmacy now is informatics. In the hospital, all medications are managed by, are, are generally dispensed by robots using barcode technology. And in many community settings, they also have uh, robotic technology to manage most of the medication dispensation. So it has become very sophisticated uh, as well. It's allowed the pharmacist to leave a little bit that, that role or, or overseeing pharmacy technicians so they can be more clinically uh, uh, involved. Um, the other nice thing about pharmacy uh, also, I was just like to mention, is the role in industry. Uh, you're seeing that a lot now with the new COVID vaccines uh, by right. Pfizer and Moderna and, right. and uh, different pharmacotherapies or therapeutics. Pharmacists' uh, role in, in, in pharmaceutical industry is pervasive. They do sales, they're medical liaisons, they're involved in marketing, uh, they provide the drug information when you call Pfizer about your uh, uh, vaccine with side effects. Their medical information office is managed by pharmacists yeah. who answer your questions. I mean, and what, they also yeah. do research and uh, they're very involved also in manufacturing and pharmacy law. When I went to, to Javits for the Pfizer vaccine twice, there's got to be a, a team of pharmacists behind that whole effort in that building. I mean, my gosh. Just to manage the medication that's going in and out of there has to be supervised by people who are professionals. No question. When, when the Javits Center was being set up, we were being called to provide pharmacists to oversee the entire medication process uh, that, that was being uh, administered. And again, to do medication reconciliation um, to, to ensure that everybody gets the right drug. I mean, remember, there are over 9,000 different drug and drug entities. Right. Um, so even in pharmacy, it's become very sophisticated. So right now... In pharmacy, we have specialists who are specialists just in psychiatry or pediatrics, wow. or infectious disease, Special, or critical care. Specialized, and they certified, and they do training only in those areas. Specialized pharmacists. 
Can one get that specialty at Turo? Can one get a, uh, a specific track at Turo College of Pharmacy? Yes. So we have tracks uh, in pharmaceutical industry and in clinical practice and right. in managed care. And then when you graduate from pharmacy, very similar to medicine, uh, there are about 5,000 residency programs available in the United States. So those who want to get even more involved in direct patient care will complete a one-year PGY-1 pharmacy residency where you go through different specialties like infectious disease and uh, uh, critical care and geriatrics uh, and ambulatory care. And then for those who want to become true specialists, they complete a second year in that particular area. And when they look for jobs, their jobs that are out there would be clinical pharmacist in pediatrics or clinical pharmacist in psychiatry. Um, and they spend their pretty much most of their time working in those areas, but still being the drug expert on all drugs because that's what's expected by the medical team and the physicians that we work with and nurses. How long is the regular degree when you go to Turo College of Pharmacy? How many years do you have to put in? So our degree is you have to complete a minimum of two years of pre-pharmacy training, taking your sciences, uh, uh, of course, like biology and chemistry and organic chemistry, physics, and then courses like English. And once you complete that, you would transition into the Doctor of Pharmacy program, and it is a four-year program. At Toro, we have two and a half years of uh, didactic or lectures uh, in difference in, throughout the, the program in pharmacology and uh, pharmaceutics where you prepare drugs uh, and compound medications. And, of course, then in what we call pharmacotherapy or internal medicine where you learn how to manage drugs and disease states by organ function. So you get a block on pulmonary diseases, on cardiac heart diseases, uh, on infectious diseases, um, etc. And then after you complete that, what makes Toro super exciting is that you have one and a half years of doing six-week rotations, and those rotations can be done um, at the major hospitals throughout New York City. We have affiliations with the Mount Sinai Health System, Columbia uh, Presbyterian Health System, Montefiore uh, hospitals in Brooklyn, like SUNY uh, Downstate Medical Center, uh, etc. And you spend six-week blocks doing acute care, internal medicine, uh, clinic, ambulatory care. And you will do that with our professors who are already specialists in their area. Um, you will round with the medical team. You'll make your drug recommendations, see patients. Um, so it's very exciting. And our, our curriculum is very unique because we have an, an additional semester where you get to do these rotations. So if you want to spend 12 weeks at Pfizer Laboratories uh, to learn pharmaceutical industry, or if you want to spend 12 weeks to learn about uh, um, geriatric pharmacy and spend your time in a nursing home, because those patients also need to be right. pharmacists, Good point. Um, you know, uh, uh, you can do that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting curriculum. A nursing home pharmacist could be a full-time job, frankly, right? I mean, It, it absolutely yeah. is. You know, it's federal law that every patient who, go, who is in a nursing home must be seen by a clinical pharmacist once a month to have their medications reviewed. Uh, so it is absolutely can be a full-time job. Uh, in our profession, Dr. Henry Cohen's with us, Dean of Turo College of Pharmacy. All right, I'm I'm, I'm so into this topic. I gotta get I gotta get to some of these quick questions about about the vaccine. I mean, those who were paying attention. I know most people were paying attention to the news from Minnesota yesterday, but if you were paying attention to the news from Europe, it looks like the J and J vaccine is going to be reintroduced with a warning, and the CDC likely is going to follow that because with all the blood clot issues that we've been reading about, I mean, you know, it's one in a million. I know that's not the real statistic, but you know, they're looking at it as a one in a million type thing. Uh, uh, do, do you feel that reintroducing it with a with a with, with a proper side effect 
uh, a warning would be proper at this time? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the vaccine, uh, you know, the J&J vaccine was released on February 27th under EUA, you know, which is uh, uh, emergency use authorization right. by the FDA. So it is always, you know, these EUAs are a little bit early. It's not the full review that a lot of drugs get. And um, until it really gets out into the population is when you see the side effects. And I think, as everyone knows, on April 13th, both the CDC and the FDA uh, provided a joint statement to pause the use of the vaccine. And, and what really, you know, what, what caused this was um, that, all, you know, 7 million doses have been administered to that date. But we had these six patients that developed uh, what we call cerebral vein blood clots, and in essence, a, a blood clot in the brain. And patients also had a very low platelet count. Platelets right. are responsible for your blood clotting. Um, and um, there seemed to be a relationship, what we call a temporal relationship. So there's a relationship where once they, they got the vaccine, within a certain period of time, they developed the side effect. Um, this was also very similar to the AstraZeneca vaccine, where we saw some of these cases in Europe. The Astra vaccine is not available here in the, uh, in the U.S. And I think the, the reason for the pause was is that um, you had these six patients uh, that were females between the age of 18 and 48, young, young women, if you will, um, who developed this, uh, this side effect. Um, so the pause was, one, to evaluate the side effect, and two, even more importantly, was how do we treat this side effect? Because generally when somebody gets this blood clot in the brain, we use a drug called heparin. And here's where the pharmacology becomes really important. What we were realizing is that heparin also can cause a similar side effect where your, your platelet count decreases and you might be at risk for blood clots that can occur in the brain, causing a stroke in your heart, causing a heart attack. Um, and uh, once, we, once we realized it, we realized that the treatment was a problem, and we have to educate the medical community that if you do get the side effect, which is rare, um, you will need to treat it appropriately and not use this common, common anticoagulant that we use called heparin. Right. So that was the, the reason for the, uh, for the pause. I do think that it was uh, wise to pause. I think it, it helps the community to avoid vaccine hesitancy. Uh, and resistance, um, so there's transparency. Um, and I think the, it is so rare, the side effect, that I think they made an appropriate decision, but more importantly, to educate the medical community, pharmacists, physicians, nurses, who manage this, this when we see it um, accordingly. The and other thing I'd like to say is that it, it also becomes important that as we reinstitute the J&J vaccine, that appropriate counseling takes place. That when you get the vaccine, perhaps from your pharmacist, that the side effects of this rare side effect become important. So especially for women, and especially for women who might use oral contraceptives uh, or, or hormonal therapy, the risk could be higher. And you should be aware that this can occur for about two to three weeks after receiving the vaccine. Because the what, more, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure, well, I was gonna say what, what you wanna look for for patients um, from a counseling perspective is that if they start to see that they get any type of uh, excessive bleeding from their gums or blood in urine, blood in stool, um, that that's a sign that this could be a side effect that they're getting. And, of course, the, the worst part of this can also be the blood clot. So um, any type of dizziness or confusion, um, symptoms that you might see during a stroke, uh, headaches, um, shortness of breath, need to get care right away, and you have to go to your medical profession 
because it could potentially be a side effect that we could treat, yeah, uh, but you need to catch it early. The more information people have, the uh, the, the more they'll uh, be able to identify if something's going wrong, go straight to their doctor. Um, and that's the, your role, as you keep saying about the uh, uh, the pharmacists out there and how they are, are on the front lines of this uh, for people who are taking vaccines and medications. Uh, there are no other serious side effects from the others, right? When we hear Pfizer, Moderna, and, and I've been through it, I think I think the first time I got the Pfizer, I had a rough day the next day, but nothing out of the ordinary. I went to work and all that, and then the second one, I felt nothing. And it seems that most people are going through you know similar experiences. Yeah, you know, I would say that. I think the the most common side, you know, with Moderna and Pfizer, um, and I think this is reassuring. To date, the CDC, FDA have not reported any similar cases as we've seen with the J&J vaccine. So, so at least at this point, that does not seem to be a, a, a major concern. And, uh, and if someone got the COVID, let's, I mean, I'm just taking an arbitrary date. January 1st, 2021, someone had COVID. Now they have antibodies. Would you recommend the vaccine for them? How many months from now? If not, how many months from now would you recommend the vaccine for them? So, so generally, the rule is going to be that we'd like to wait at least 90 days hmm. after they've had COVID before they get the vaccine. Um, and that's because, remember, what the vaccine is doing is what your body's doing. Your body is creating antibodies uh, to, to ward off infection, and the vaccine is going to do same. Uh, so if you take it too close, and even after 90 days, your risk of side effects with any of the vaccines will be higher uh, because you're getting a pronounced antibody response. I, I often like to say to the lay public, it's almost like putting your antibodies on steroids. So you're super protected, <laughs> but the side effects, in particular, the, uh, um, the, the headache, muscle pain, chills, uh, uh, joint pain, fever, uh, will be more common if you do it earlier or if you've had COVID. There's a higher risk of getting those side effects. And they usually last about one to two days after right. receiving the vaccine. And not to get too scientifically complicated, for the, for us lay people, we keep hearing about variant strains. Am I right that when the news reports that it looks like the vaccine of all types, all companies, uh, are, are covering the majority of those strains, that that's accurate? Yes, uh, you, you, you're, that, is, that is quite accurate. There are, uh, without getting too technical, there, there are several... Uh, the variants that you're hearing a lot about, the, the South African, Brazilian, and, of right. course, the, the U.K. strains. And these are all variants of the Wuhan, the original uh, viral strain that, that we received. Um, and, in fact, in the U.S., uh, we believe the U.K. vaccine has seen it, it, at least one out of three cases. Uh, so it's quite common. But the vaccines seem to be very effective against these variants, against these mutations. Right, which is... Uh, which uh, so, this is good news, yeah. and, and most importantly, uh, Nachum, the, the key is that, that the vaccines are very effective from preventing severe COVID or COVID yeah. death, and that's, um, the, and, and that's the key. That is the key. Finally, how long do you think it'll last? I had my COVID vaccine, I just told you, at sometime in the month of March. I don't remember the exact date. I was double vaccinated. I likely will not have to be vaccinated again, or I will likely have to be vaccinated when? So um, at this point, research is telling us, studies are telling us that uh, at least six months after receiving these vaccines, you have a full antibody response. So Good. you have at the very least six months protection. We are now researching nine months and soon as time allows, 12 months. Right. Um, and my suspicion will be that, that I believe these vaccines will certainly carry us somewhere at least around one year. And it could certainly be longer. We have right. vaccines that sometimes last a few years. As you know, the flu vaccine lasts one year. 
what creates the need for the flu vaccine every year is that the variants change significantly because of mutations. Again, with, with COVID, we're seeing variants, but the current vaccine seems to be effective. Dr. Cohen, what a pleasure to speak to you and uh, appreciate all the information. And I frankly appreciate finding out that Turo has this incredible department or school, uh, the Turo College of Pharmacy. It is a great choice, I'm sure you would say, uh, for both young men and young women in our community to check out, especially if they like the medical field and do well in those courses. This is a a, a, a track they should be uh, uh, alerted to. And, um, and information, I assume, Turo.edu for information about the uh, Turo College of Pharmacy? Yes, uh, uh, yes, that would be terrific. And, and, and I also just want to mention as well that uh, we will be providing the pharmacy school, uh, working with other healthcare professions, we'll be providing Turo vaccines to the local community, and we hope to do that in the next couple of weeks, both at Landers College for Men and at uh, the Landers uh, College of Arts and Sciences. We've been doing that to date and hope to continue with the Pfizer vaccine over the next two weeks. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Dr. Henry Cohen, he's dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. He knows it all. And, uh, and young men and young women in this audience and parents of young men and young women in this audience, think about it. For people in our community, it is an unbelievable option. And if you speak to uh, uh, people in our community who are uh, pharmacists, they will agree with, uh, I believe they'll agree with my uh, uh, assessment. Uh, it's amazing what you can do for the community, and it's amazing how um, you can maintain a Shomer Shabbos life you know, in a great profession. So check it out. And thanks to our friends at Turo. Go to Turo.edu for information. Turo.edu for information. David Fishoff joins us. Uh, the tradition is that whenever he's on the air, he must state why Jewish music is a million times better than the rock and roll scene. We'll see what he has to say next at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, don't tell this to, uh, don't tell this to the who, don't tell this to uh, Led Zeppelin, don't tell this to Pink Floyd, don't tell it to any of those quote-unquote rock and roll superstars, but our next guest, David Fishoff, who's synonymous with uh, the world of rock and roll, and I mean that seriously, not a, I don't mean that in a derogatory fashion at all. Um, he would much rather be listening to Jewish a cappella music during the middle part of Sphera than be listening to anything that the that the uh, aforementioned groups have to play at any time. And by the way, uh, because this is obviously a public forum, David may deny it. Trust me, folks. Trust me. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Faved rock and roll producer David Fishoff, who is the subject of a new documentary, one that I sort of can recommend to this audience. How do you like that? (laughs) David is on the East Coast, and therefore it's a little easier for him to join us here at JM in the AM. Uh, Mr. Fishoff, what a delight to welcome you back to these airwaves. Thank you, Nakam. Yes, you know what I can finally say? The film... Rock Camp is going to be great for your audience, um, and that's why I was I was excited to get on it. Now, was was the Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd? Do they care if I love their music? Probably not. But all these people who do love their music, a lot a lot of front people out there, you'd be surprised how many Rabunim have called me since the film has come out and said, "Oh, I love that. I love that." Well, somebody, some. It's so funny you say this because um, somebody that I daven with who, you know, who, who delivers Shiurim on a regular basis. And if you'd see him, you, you would understand that he is a serious member of the Frum community. Uh, I discovered years ago that he is a major chassid of the Grateful Dead. <laughs> so I'm sure, Thank you. So I'm sure, I'm sure none of that is a surprise to you. But still, and I'm being serious now for a second, I'm being serious now, because you're on this show for a couple of important reasons that aren't necessarily tied to the new movie. I can I can recommend the movie for some of the people in this audience, just to be fair, because there are people that would never understand the world that you live in and work in because they just wouldn't get it. So, you know, so I'm right. I'm going to say we are recommending it for those who who enjoy and appreciate the rock and roll experience in this country because David has created not just the business of rock and roll and touring and all that, but he's created an unbelievable dream for a lot of people, and that is to get together. The camp's in California, right? It's California? No, the California. I'm here in Miami. We're going to open up in Hard Rock. Oh, so you're, you're uh, doing. October. Oh, so you're doing it all over the place. You, you, that you could go to. Yeah, a, Nashville. You, you could go to a rock and roll Even, fantasy camp and actually play and learn music and 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 you know and jam with legends in the world of rock and roll. So that that you know again, some people in this audience would appreciate that. Others wouldn't. The reason David's on is what I said earlier that 30 years ago. I wrote an article about Jewish heroes, and David made it into my definition of a Jewish hero because he's in this world, this crazy world of rock and roll that you know he he'll, he will not give us every detail about, and yet you know when he puts on his uh, his uh, his earbuds, his AirPods, uh, he's listening to Avram Fried and Yaakov Shwaki and Mordechai Ben David, 
and escaping from that world. And when he turned, so and, many, and, yeah, wait, and, wait, and, wait, and, wait, 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 let me, if I'm praising you, let me finish. Let me finish. You're a Jewish hero. That's why I'm spending time on this to remind people about Jewish heroism. And on top of that, if Shabbos starts at 716, like it did in New York this past Shabbos, at 710, his phone is shut. And no matter who's trying to get through to him, from Ringo Starr to Paul McCartney and all the others, the thousands of others, no matter who's trying to get a hold of him, they cannot reach him until 9.30 or 9 p.m. or whatever time it is Saturday night. So now, David, now you may respond. Go ahead, sir. Well, no, uh, I guess I, want to, I do want to respond is that, yes, um, everything you said, I appreciate that. But what I do love is Jewish music because it, it basically has kept me from all these years. And because you know, you're on the road or you're, 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 you're dealing with non-Jews and you're listening to the music, um, makes you just brings you back. It keeps you focused. It's like davening every morning. It's like being kosher, you know. It, but it keeps us focused. And and uh, so no, I love it. And I love all these new artists too. I mean, I must tell you, I I am a fan. I am a huge fan. Well, you're normally you're normally you're, you're normally in California. Have the new artists gotten out there yet? I mean, it's a three thousand mile trek, you know, from New York. <laughs> yes, yes, we, yeah. We actually, you know, we we have we have real people there. We, you know, we've heard of some, we've heard of some of these new new singers, and uh, no, but it's been great. You know, the, I think social media. You know, I, I get them all on social media, so right. they, they they pop up to me. I I, I, rem, I, remi- I remind everybody, and I'm sorry for dominating this conversation, but I, I just have no, to, it's I, all have, yours. I have to keep stressing that you know, again, the Jewish heroism, which I'm sure some people are rolling their eyes at, but David started in the Catskill Mountains. By the way, it says in your bio about representing um, Herschel Bernardi. Did you know Lou Jacoby? Yes, I knew Lou very well. Was he as funny as he was on those records and, and comedy albums? And uh, I mean, was he a funny person in person or not? No, most people aren't. Most comedians aren't. You know, they're funny. <laughs> but he know, was, he when, was... When, they're on, when they're on stage, they're one thing. And when they're off stage, they're, you know, it's, it's because of business. But it's he, amazing but how he, they could transform. Lou's a good guy. Lou was a very f- funny guy. We spent a lot of time together, Lou. He, he, um, he didn't actually play. Like, he wasn't a stand-up in the Catskills, right? He was just an actor, right? He, he wanted to be. He wanted to be. Wow. He, you know, he really wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't a great comedian. He was a great actor. Oh, he, yeah, was, he wasn't a great he, comedian. He was a great actor. He, I had the pleasure of actually interviewing him once uh, live in person. And, boy. I wish I had a recording of that show. Uh, David Fishoff then goes on to represent a bunch of athletes, including Phil Simms, Lou Pinella, probably the best known of the athletes that he had. He wrote two books, Putting It on the Line and Rock Your Business, What You and Your Company Can Learn from the Business of Rock and Roll. He did a a Mark Burnett production of uh, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, which was on VH1 Classic. He's done a million tours, including the Monkees 20th Anniversary Tour, the Dirty Dancing Tour, the American Gladiators Tour, by the way, I didn't realize Rock and Roll, fa- Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp's already 25 years old. 25 years. That's, uh, I didn't realize you started way back then. And listen, you've met them all. You've met them all. And again, we, we talked about your appreciation for Jewish music. We talked about how much you love Shabbos and davening, etc. But of all those that you've met, men and women in the rock and roll industry, who is the biggest mensch? Because we, we know that there's, oh. a, there's a lot of antics in that industry. We know that. And a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. But you must have met somebody where you said to yourself, you know what? This is <laughs> this is as close to a real mensch as I'm ever going to meet. Who is it? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but who is yeah, it? Yeah, no, no. There's one person. Roger Daltrey, the who. Such he, a mensch? He's really a mensch. 
the most incredible moment. Well, no, 9-11 hits, and uh, I'm in New York City, and the first phone call was Roger Daltrey calling me from London and saying, how's your family? I mean, yeah, Roger's a man. She really is. And it's amazing that he now dedicates his time to charity. He has an organization called Teen Cancer America, Teen Cancer in the, US, in the U.K., where he opens up centers in every hospital, including in Sloan Kettering, where teenagers are, get, get, are able to get can't, there's their, their medications and their drips um, in a special warden that looks fun. You know, instead of with babies and old people, they yeah. actually look up and they can watch MTV and they can watch music and it's painted bright. And he's opened 30 facilities <gasps> of Teenage Cancer America in America. He's such a ball to duck up. And if you go to his website and you'll go to Teenage Cancer America, the video shows he helps helping a from family that um, needs money, and he's really incredible. So, if you, and and he's, he's, he's you know, uh, you know, we, we we don't accept it, but his daughter married a, a Jewish guy in England, and so wow. he's got a he's got he's got such a Yiddish feeling. So he, he called me up. I'm sorry. You love this. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, but that usually means I'm. No, I'm no, no, no. It usually so means I'm very. It usually means I'm very interested in the topic. Is he the one? That stopped someone on the Upper West Side to ask what time Shabbos starts to see if he could reach you? Yes. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That, I think my fa- one of my favorite stories was he called me up one day. He said, can you get me the words to happy birthday in Yiddish? Because I want to learn to sing it. And I remember going to Lincoln Square one morning uh, by Shacharis and turning to Sherwood Goffin, the, the late amazing cousin. And I said, yeah. Sherwood, can you write out the words phonetically for me? And he did. And and Rogers, one of Rogers' best friends, owns all these gossip newspapers in, in the U.K., and he was singing at his birthday party, and he sang it to him in Yiddish. No, he's a very and special guy. And, and, and I got him. He came to shul. I got, he came to shul? He came to, to <laughs> when, when uh, my son-in-law, Rabbi Shlomo was was running the, uh, when he was operating the West Side Institutional, he came, and uh, he, he wanted to see a Shabbos lunch, and uh, he did a lunch, and he spoke for over a half hour how amazing the experience so, of being they, at a Shabbos meal was. And right. To this day, he always tells me, um, the rabbi gave him a challah cover, and um, he says, you know, it's one of one of his best gifts ever. David Fischoff's with us. The movie's called Rock Camp. I can recommend it to some of our listeners, as I said earlier. How do people access the documentary? Well, the, it's on um, Apple iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on Fandango. It's on, you know, go to Rock Camp, the movie, and you'll be able to rockhamthemovie.com, and you'll find out all the different um, platforms it's on. All right, for those of you in our audience who are very familiar with the rock and roll scene, you'll appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to say it like that because because uh, there are a lot of people in the audience who wouldn't get it, David, as you know. Okay, so yeah, I, I must tell you, you would not believe since the film came out how many rabbis have come out. Uh, have come out. Even Aish, you know, I became a subject of Aish because really? the rabbi loved the rock and roll. I spoke, I've been talking in shuls all around Australia and, and the UK. It's amazing to me how many, One you know. Second. Now, uh, I, uh, I told you I saw the first 10 minutes of the movie. I saw the trailer. Did they mention in the movie that you're Orthodox? Yes, you have to watch, the, you know, you have to watch movie. I even mentioned my Holocaust, my father. I took <gasps> my dad back to right. Auschwitz and Buchenwald. And and I took him back to the... To, yeah, no, we 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 back and uh, my it's it's in there the uh, the Holocaust. I wouldn't have done a film unless they mentioned the Holocaust and wow. um you know what the power of music and it's really about the power of music and I think the film is 
really about how music changes people's lives. Right. And that's really what it's about for me. You know, what, what, like Jewish music changes my life. Rock and roll changes many of these people's yeah. lives. And, and uh, I, you know, it, it's really the power of music. I got to get back to my other point for a second. So you've met, in all seriousness, you've met, I mean, thousands of stars, obviously. And you, you could group them. I mean, I know that there's, you know, a sliding scale. I get it. But you can group them in categories like Daltrey, uh, what we would call yes. a, what we would call a real Baal Chesed, someone who really sincerely cares about others, someone who probably at the fantasy camp really takes his role seriously, you know, wants to make the experience as great as possible for the people who are there. And then you could talk about another category of the most selfish, the most uninterested in others, right? I'm sure you've met plenty of those. Can I assume that? Well, first of all, you know, I met them, and they and they won't do my camp. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people. They're sometimes into their own music, they're into their own careers, um, and you know, anyone that does rock and roll fantasy camp is really a giving person because they're right. basically giving over knowledge. Um, and right, they're but, not selfish. But, so. but, you, but you've also. <laughs> You've uh, let's put it this way: you've met groups and you've dealt with. I can name twenty groups you've dealt with over the years, and in the same group, you have very different people, right? Some who are, yeah, totally. Some right. who, who who are like Daltrey, like you said, you know, and the big Balkas, and others who are just who are however you want to classify, it, uninterested in in that type of thing, right? With that, with that, may and yet Correct. and yet they mesh together and form a great group with amazing amazing musical productions. Right. I mean, like everyone always says, the Beatles, you know, was, well, the Beatles have been as strong without Ringo, with, with Ringo, you know, it was all McCartney right. and Lennon. And I always answer, you know, it's really what, what makes a band is it's the, the parts, it's all the parts that come together. Right. And, um, you know, one of my early, early favorites was the Rabbi Sons. Right. It was the three voices. It wasn't right. just Mark Shade. It was, it was three voices. Right. So that's in every band. Well, with that, you know, in, with, that, with that in mind, as you know, I always say to Diaspora Yeshiva Band that they are greater than the sum of their parts, right, when they're together. Totally. And as you know, right. we're doing a big Diaspora cover band type uh, show coming up nine days from now on Lagba Omer. Now, you're going to be Lagba Omer on the West Coast, right? Yes. So are you, are, I would love to watch So it. are you going to wake up at 4 a.m. to watch the five-hour production live, yes or no? I was going to wake up at 4 a.m. to do your radio show, so yes, I will wake up. No, David, I would love to wake David up. David knows there's only one answer to that question, and the answer is yes. I'll be up watching now, and I'll be texting you at the same time. All right, the other issue. You just said something so important. Can you put your finger on it? Can you give us in a sentence or two why music is so life-changing? Why, when people do see Rock Camp, the documentary, just the fact that regular people with regular professions get the opportunity to to dive into the world of rock and roll music for two, three days. Why is it so life-changing? Because it reminds them of their childhood, before anyone ever hurt them, before they, before they had to get a, a job, before they had to do anything, any obligation. They were kids, and they heard the songs, and it brings them back to their happiness. And to where they, where they where they become who they who they really are, and um, and the, the essence of who they are, and they start to play this music, and it just gives them great vibes. And right. I think that's um, I, I really think that that that's really what does it. And I think that when they get to play with their heroes, um, it, it makes them play harder, make them play better, and uh, they get to immerse themselves for four days in this camp to do what they love, and and they come out of it saying. 
wow, if I can do this, I could do anything. Amazing. Um, you must find yourself. It really is. You must find yourself on the other end of the question. You have the opportunity to really go full steam ahead and completely drown yourself in this industry, uh, and yet you 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 have a a tremendous pause one day out of seven. You have you know shachris mincha and marav that you take very seriously. You have kosher food that you take very very seriously. Uh, if someone would say, you know, wouldn't your life be more fulfilling if just just you know, through this whole rock and roll scene, what would you say to them? You know, I look at it, uh, and I always look at it as a business. It's a great way to make a living. The numbers are there. You're doing something with your passion. You're being creative. But, I, you know, I, I think the, 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 the two things, really, I, I, I have to credit to, to staying from. I mean, many things. But, you know, number one was my, my dad was a survivor of Auschwitz and Buchenwald. And, um, and you know, there's a very famous book called The Yellow Star, right. which talks about the five five guys who survived Auschwitz and Buchenwald. And, um, you know, my dad, all he talked about was, and he talked about it every day, every day, it was, it was the Holocaust. And, uh, and you know, but all he talked about was, you know, trading cigarette butts with the Nazis so that he could um, make get flour to make uh, matzahs or, or to light Hanukkah candles. And all he talked about was doing mitzvahs when he was in, in Auschwitz and Buchenwald. And that strength, that strength of hearing these stories every day really, you know, resonates with me. And, and so, so that, that's number one in my life. And, and, and number two, um, I, I have to credit the Jewish music because, you know, I, I listen to it all day. You've always you know, said this. God for, yeah. Even, even your, your, your jam in the AM, yeah. when it was 24 hours on, I would keep the station on. I listened to Spotify. And I, it just changes my mood, you, and it really you, is like such a calming factor for you, me. You, and I think when I, I no, I was, I, 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 I was going to say you always say this. I mean, you told us a story. Yeah, it really it's unbelievable. You, you told us a story. I'm loving all these new artists now, and but I will tell you that um, not only is the calming factor, but you know, Yerachmiel Begun, he sent me he sent me his, his last song, and um, and I love the way it opened up and talked about the power of Jewish music because you know it's really. You're hearing the Torah, the, the lyrics in the Torah, and I just think that all this, all this music is really it resonates with me, and it's, and it's real. That's what I wanted to say. When Mordechai ben David sings a song, yeah. you know, he really means it. He feels what he's singing. Unlike, you know, I see these rock stars; they go on every night, and just some nights are off nights, some nights are good nights. But I never saw Mordechai deliver a song that wasn't less than a hundred, you know, ten percent of feeling it. And you know, and you know, same thing with with Avram. You know, they 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 deliver the they deliver the song like Tefillah. You know, so it's it's really it's a beautiful thing versus the rock and roll. You know, yeah, amazing, uh, David. Just, I mean, you told you told this story thirty years ago. I'll never forget it. That you you were walking away from the backstage area of some major concert you were doing, and as so, and you just desperately wanted to get your headphones on. And play an Avram Fried song, like you just wanted to get right back to where you belong, so to speak. And, and yeah, it senses me. Yeah. And trust me, there are a lot of children of Holocaust survivors who dealt with life a lot differently than you did. You should be really proud the way you've dealt with yours. And uh, by the way, in, in, in all seriousness, I'm not trying to condemn anybody because everyone has their own level of you know connection to our community. But Gene Simmons, for instance, we know you know from Kiss, big rock and roll star, obviously based on what he's done publicly, has pride in being Jewish. Are there other, are there other 
you know, really quote unquote really Jewish guys that I'm not or or women that I'm not familiar with in the industry, or he's really the one that's most identified with with our tradition. Well, well he was he was born. Listen, he was born in, in Israel. Right. You know, there's a great musician, um, Getty Lee, the bass player from Rush, uh, and there's a new TV series coming now. Uh, out about him and his mother and rockers and their mother, Dave Grohl, just uh, for the Foo Fighters, just produced. And, um, you know, Getty, his name is Getty because his mother's a Holocaust survivor. So Getty, 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 you know, that was his nickname. And uh, he's from Toronto, Canada. You know, there's a lot of them now, you know, come out. And um, Eric Carmen is Jewish from uh, the Raspberry. Um, There's a lot lot of Jewish artists out there. Um, You know, you only hear about Gene because... You know, G went for five minutes to Yeshiva right. um, before he got thrown out. But right. uh, and, and I must say that you know he wasn't always as supportive of the right. community as he is now. Correct. You know? He did not and, speak. Of, he uh, didn't speak about it as openly then as he does now. Right. Right. Yeah. Because his mom was also a Holocaust survivor. Right. So I went to dinner. He invited me to dinner. We done it by Yad Vashem a few years ago, right. and he spoke about it and and everything. But you know, I, I really have to credit you for keeping this Jewish music going and giving an outlet for these people. To, you know, to hear the new music, and it really is. We're very lucky. You know, we used to be. We grew up on Shlomo Kava, the Rabbi's sons, and and not, now, mu- and not much, and not much else. The Ruach Revival, the Ruach Revival, and my brother's band, the Ruach Revival, <laughs> exactly. And now, all these different artists that are out yeah. there, and um, you know, and and, and and the way they're making different music. You know, my friend Carrie Wolchuk, he, he 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 delivers he delivers Jewish music differently. He, he delivers to like EDM, but you know you you could see people um, are, 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 are they're, they're they're buying this music. They they're realizing that um, you know it, 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 that Jewish music. You don't have to be ashamed. You know, I used to a guy. They look at me and they would say, "Oh, you, you don't love the Beatles?" I said, "Yeah, I like the Beatles, but I don't like listening to them. Right. I like listening to Jewish music." So, yeah. um, you can be hip. You can be hip and listen yeah. and. And love Jewish music. All right, somebody on the app is asking us to say the name slowly. It's Rock Camp, Rock, R-O-C-K, Camp, C-A-M-P. And if you go to Rock Camp, the movie, you could access the documentary. Uh, uh, the, sub- the subject is David Fishoff and his rock and roll fantasy camp. By the way, it's funny because you just said you know people think of their childhood when they go to rock and roll fantasy camp. So I, it's the same thing for me if I go to a New York Yankee fantasy camp. It would be like, you know, going back in time to an era that was so beloved to me, you know. So I, I, I relate to exactly what you're saying. And and because you mentioned dinners, I will now tell everybody who's interested in baseball what David Fishoff did for me a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this or not. A few years ago. In 1975. In 1975. That was That's the, a few years ago. That was the only that was the only year that Bobby Bonds, not his son Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonds played for the Yankees. I went to Yankee Bat Day at Shea Stadium in 1975. Yeah, you baseball historians know what I'm talking about. And um, and of course, in those days, every they had bats of every Yankee. You know, there were different signatures on each bat. And of course, every kid's walking into Yankee Stadium praying that they get a Bobby Bonds bat. You know, because I was the best one. Sure enough, both my brother and I got Bobby Bonds bats on bat day. And in those days, folks, it was a real bat, <laughs> you know. David Fishoff, David Fishoff, about 20 years later, invites me to come with him to the Baseball Writers Association dinner. And who did I sit next to? 
Bobby Bonds, and I told him, wow. and I told him the story. See, you were on the other side, sitting next to George Foster. I was on the other side, sitting next to Bobby Bonds. And 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 I remember that. And you know how great it was that I got to tell him that story. You know how great it was I got to tell him that story. Exactly. And you know what I always want to do? I want to take that bat and send it to Barry Bonds. I want to send it to him that he should have it in his family, uh, you know, for generations. Uh, I don't know if he. Uh, I, I, so I, don't, I don't know. No, you should. Better yet, sell it and give the money to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> He's got enough money. He's yeah, but it's money. not a money. Yeah. It's not a money thing. I just think it's a good heirloom for him, though. <laughs> no, I mean, he's got a lot of bats. He's got a lot. You of think bats. he has a 19, you, know, you think he has a nineteen seventy-five Yankee Bobby Bonds bat? I'm, 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 I bet you he does. Oh, really? I bet yeah, you he I, does. Then I don't feel. Yeah. bad. Then I don't feel bad. No, you know, it's so interesting. But how about this? Someone once invited me to go to Michael Jordan fantasy camp right. as, a, as a guest. And I said, I'm not going to Michael Jordan fantasy camp. I can't go to play one-on-one Michael Jordan. I'll play with three guys who think they can beat Michael Jordan. So, you know, the, the irony about my camp is people are scared to come. And, you know, many you know, people are scared to come because they're afraid to play with these rock stars. And, wow. and in the film, you'll see that they don't, you know, the, the rockers come and, and they really give. They do you, all, anyone that does my camp gives them gives them themselves. Do you ever have even Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley? Do you ever have? Do you, ever, give. you ever have from people that want to come to the camp and want kosher food and so stuff? many from people? What are you talking about? I got I got a, at every camp I have one or two from people. Are that come. you serious? We spend Shabbos together. <gasps> no, I arrange oh. for them. We've had I've had I've had some great people. Um, the, the the Malone family. The, um, their son, their oldest son, he's in, he's in the film. Matter of fact, uh, he comes and comes to the camp, and we spend great Friday night dinners together. And uh, oh yeah, no, I love it. I, I've had some great people, and wow. without naming names, because but yes, you know there are people who just who who the rock and roll resonates to them. They're very from. Um, you know, it's so funny because I get into arguments with with some of the rabbis. Uh, is it this guy Gadol Hadar? Is it the lyrics that he wrote? You, you, you know, even in my interview with H, with H, I mean, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the great rabbis. You know, that some of the music resonates with a lot of these people, and um, you know, the lyrics, and you know, maybe, maybe maybe they were raised not from, or maybe they were raised from, but they were rebellious, but they loved these artists, like you said, the Grateful Dead. You know, there's so right. many from people uh, yeah. love love the Grateful Dead and, and Fish, Fish. and. Uh, Fish is a big and one. Fish. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. And oh, someone... fish, fish did one song. Fish did one great song. Avino Malkin. Right. They did Avino Malkin. They, became... right. they, they did Avino Malkin. Everybody right. thinks that, you know, right. oh, I can listen to Fish now because they did Avino Malkin. Well, not only that, um, but not only that, they're also like the Grateful Dead, you know, of today. You know, like they're, yeah. they're always. Uh, right. Uh, a person on our app says Bob Dylan. Of course, he's Jewish, but I don't think you'll ever have him at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Well, you never know what week he is. One week he's from, one right. week he's not. No, and, but, then, uh, uh, and then but, J- John and Paul Kossoff from the band Free. Do you know them? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, Simon Kirk was in the band. Right. You know, he was, he was married to a Jewish woman for many years. But he, um, yeah, I, yeah I, I know Free and Bad Company, and it's all the same band. David. I'm, Simon's in the movie. Who is in the movie? Simon's in the movie, yeah. Oh, the, the, the rock stars are enormous right. in the film. But I, I think what people will enjoy watching, especially is, is watching the people and the subjects of the people and how they get, how they go through this, you know, powerful experience. And yeah. uh, and the great thing is, you know, listen, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and, 
It's uh, I think I think it's the kid of Shashem. I really do. Well, I think at the end, you'll see yeah. all the Jewish stuff. Yeah, if I if I call you a Jewish hero, then you know I think it's a kid of Shashem. David, what yeah. a pleasure always. Don't forget to watch next Friday morning early, early next Friday morning for you. I will definitely watch <laughs> next Friday morning. I, I I'm a groupie. I'm a Jewish music groupie. Trust me, and <laughs> I don't turn down those opportunities. And um and again, rockcampthemovie.com. Uh, David Fisher off the subject of that documentary, which I am recommending to some, that's my disclaimer, some of our JM and the AM listeners. David, always a pleasure. Uh, next time you're in New York, I hope we have a chance to get together. Absolutely. When this whole pandemic is over, I yeah. can't wait. Thank you, I sir. Can't wait to see you. Thank you, sir. Mazel, okay, mazel tov on the movie and mazel tov on, on, on everything that you do representing the Jewish people. Thank you. Thank you. More coming up. That's David Fishoff. Great to speak to them. Always great to speak to them. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
Cham in the AM. Imlavan. AKA Pella with that one here at JM and the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at AH. Abels and Hyman, Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available. At Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide, try A&H today. My thanks to David Fishoff. Day 24 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Mazal Tov to Haley Ramras and Yoni Pollock. Yes, our very own Yoni Pollock. They are a very, very, very recently engaged couple as of last night. Big mazel tov from all of us here at JMM to the Ramras family in Teaneck, Mrs. Pollock and her whole family down in Houston and New Jersey. Mazel tov from all of us here at JMM and the AM. Ari Green is with us live via telephone, director of development for New York NCSY. Apparently, on May the 9th, there are some people who are going to be going over the edge at a tower, the tower, at Nassau Community College, which I'm assuming is out there on Long Island. Information, overtheedge.ncsy.org, overtheedge.ncsy.org. Ari Green, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you so much for having me. How courageous does one need to be to go over the edge for New York NCSY? I don't think you need to be courageous at all. I think you just have to have the will to support a great organization like NCSY. So uh, the physical, the physical uh, needs uh, that one has in order to pull this off, or one needs in order to pull this off. I mean, uh, what's actually happening? How big is this tower, and is it the traditional rappelling down the side of a building? So that's a great question. It's the Tower at Nassau Community College, which is about 12 stories. Oh I think it comes out to about 146 feet and change. Wow. Um, the exciting part about this is that you don't have to have any experience in repelling. It can be someone that has done it in the past or someone that's never done it before. When you get to Nassau Community College at your set time, uh, they will set you up, the people from over the edge, and our volunteers will set up each repeller with the safety harnesses and there'll be about 20 25 minute session on how to use the proper equipment to um repel down the wall so whether you have the experience or not anyone the requirements you have to be between 100 and 300 pounds and and you can be 13 years old and older if you're under 18 you need a parent's uh, permission to do it other than that everyone's invited and, and encouraged. It, and in 20, and I'm being serious now, in 20 minutes, someone can learn everything they need to know to safely repel down that building? Yes, because the way it works is there are basically two different um, apparatuses that you use. It's really one, and there's a backup that you basically will go over the edge, your feet will be against the wall, and you slowly let this lever go at your comfort level till you get down to the bottom. Um, of the tower. If someone starts and gets very excited, then all of a sudden in the middle <laughs> starts freaking out, I can't do it, it's okay because we can also control it from the top of the tower and the, and, um, the individuals from over the edge who are in charge can lower you down to the bottom. Talk about- so far, that hasn't been necessary. <laughs> Talk about having all your bases covered. I like that. <laughs> I, and you say that that's, thank God in their experience, that's never happened. 
Correct. Okay. Very good. Okay. Correct. If you want to go over the edge for NCSY, get your brave on, as it says here. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience rappelling down the side of the tower at Nassau Community College over 140 feet. While you're doing it, you'll be raising money for New York NCSY's programs and scholarships, even during COVID. This I know because I'm related to someone who's uh, working very hard with New York NCSY. This I know that even during COVID, they are full steam ahead with programming. You, you'd agree, Ari, that nothing has slowed anybody down at New York NCSY, even the pandemic. It's, it's really the opposite. And it's, I'm in awe every day just watching the staff at NCSY and the engagement that they are getting with teens throughout the New York area. Uh, we're probably engaging more teens now because of the accessibility of virtual programming than we have ever before. Yeah. And there's so many teens that during COVID need that outlet to doing something besides the school, because nothing else was taking place. So right. the reach today is incredible, and as we slowly start to get back to normal life, um, I think Over the Edge is the perfect opportunity just to get out from being in your house for a full year and uh, help support a great cause. Yeah, no question about it. All right, it's May 9th. I'm assuming it's open to every. I mean, the, the, you went through the qualifications, but it, you don't have to be from New York or be affiliated with NCSY. Anybody can come and, and do this fundraiser, right? Anyone and everyone is invited to come. May 9th also happens to be Mother's Day. Oh. So if you sign up with your mother, you'll get 20% off. Can mom, um, Can moms do this? Absolutely. We have wow. plenty of moms doing it. Wow, we have so Josh cool. Joseph, our new executive vice president, as well, uh, going over the edge. We have lots of people. Anyone oh, who's no. now- interested... Yeah. Now, now that you've told me that Josh Joseph is doing it, now he's gonna he's gonna rank on me for the next two weeks, and I'm not doing it. You know, you mentioned before that we have someone who's working very hard with within NCSY that happens to be related to you, right? And I I reached out to that individual who, in himself, is just amazing. I said, "What are the chances that we can get your dad to go over the edge?" <laughs> And he said, how many reasons do you want me to tell you why this will never happen? Dr. Mark would never agree to it, I don't think. (laughs) Oh, is that funny? That is funny. Yeah, actually, maybe I'll I'll, I'll use a health excuse when Josh Joseph calls me. I'll have to to make up something good. Uh, But Josh is going, oh, is there a, a specific number of slots? Can you be sold out at some point? We can be. We're not there yet. We have the ability to do up to 90 repellers. So we have plenty of spots available. And anyone that's interested, if they have any questions, they can call me directly at 212-613-8285, or they can go to the website that has pretty much all the information on the website. Well, and that would be uh, – that would be – Over the edge. Right. .ncsy.org. Over the edge on ncsy.org. Now, uh, in all seriousness, if it's a good-looking day, then when someone's up there, they're probably going to see some incredible views, and it's going to be an exhilarating experience just from up there before they even start repelling. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the view is incredible. We also have a photographer on staff that's nice. going to be videotaping and taking pictures of everything. Um, then you get your swag bag. And it's, it's also fun for family and friends to come watch the individual who's going to be rappelling down. We're going to have a DJ there. We're going to have music. It's a whole event. Yeah. Uh, so it's really an exciting day. And, and Baruch Hashem, we're praying and hoping the weather supposed to be beautiful that day so we're very very excited and at the website i assume all the information about how to to be a fundraiser for this event it's all there i assume people are setting up their own page and raising a certain amount etc etc correct it's similar to the ncsy bike fund and golf outings and everything else you sign up cost fifty dollars to register um everyone's encouraged to raise a thousand dollars which is 
somewhat easy just by reaching out to friends and family. There are corporate sponsorships available if you have a business that would like to, you know, have their name on uh, our swag, our T-shirts, and things of that nature. You know, really what it comes down to as an organization, as a fundraiser, we're always trying to think of different and unique ways to fundraise because we get to the point, particularly in a busy place like New York, where all the same things are being done over and over again. So this is one of those events that is somewhat different, um, but exciting at the same time, an opportunity to raise money for an incredible cause. Uh, well, you have an impressive list of repellers so far, I can tell you that much. And uh, now it says on Josh's, it, it looks like the goal's been raised already, but I, I assume I could still sponsor him, right? Absolutely. There's no limitation on how much money each repeller can raise. The minimum is $1,000. If you want to give another $1,000, knock him, no problem. I just, I don't know. Is it better for me to give to somebody who's not fully funded yet, or should I just do it for Josh? Because now I'm in a now in a total predicament. Now I'm now I don't know what to do. Now one I, may say one may say you should give money to everyone, yeah. but if you have limitations, <laughs> good point. Then if you have a connection, you should give it to the person you're connected <laughs> okay. to. So maybe I'll do that. Sunday, May 9th, go over the edge with NCSY at the Tower at Nassau Community College. Ari Green, who's the director of development in New York NCSY, is more than anxious to answer all your questions. You can either go to the website uh, overtheedge.ncsy.org. That's where I found Josh and all his colleagues who are repelling, uh, overtheedge.ncsy.org, or speak with Ari directly at 212-613-8285, 212-613-8285. And again, you're doing it alone, right? Even though there's safety measures from the top and bottom, you're not, it's not like you're next to another repeller. You're, you're actually experiencing the whole adventure by yourself, right? Well, actually, there basically have two ropes set up, so two people will be going down at the same time, which is why many people are signing up as a team or signing up with their friends uh, or their mother. Oh, very so two good. people yeah, but will that, be but going that's, down that, at the same time. That's so even it can be better. a really fun opportunity. Th- that's even better than what I meant. In other words, I meant that, yeah. there's, that there's no professional who's going to be you know, next to you oh. guiding you. You get to do it individually, but now it's even better. You get to choose a partner to do it with. So Correct. I, I misunderstood cool. you. Yes, yeah, 100%. Good. It's you by yourself. The safety people are on top, but going down the wall, it's just you and the skyline and the air and the excitement. Very cool. I yeah. bet I bet you some people will show up in some cool costumes for this, by the way. It, it, so if you look in the gallery on the website, you'll see pictures of people dressed as Superman. Right. They have people do come in costumes. Right. And and that's just part of the personality individuals who are who are <laughs> excuse me, repelling and just want to make it that much more fun and interesting. By the way, did did Nahum Siegel's relative say that he's gonna repel or he hasn't indicated yet? Um, I have another phone call to him today to try to push and encourage him. I'm wondering. I'm trying to figure out if he's the personality that would do this. Not sure. Probably not, but I think that's what makes it so much fun. Right. Well, sometimes in life we have to go out of our comfort zone. Well, you may have given so this, you, you may have given me some good Shabbos table discussion for this week, frankly. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I will I will contribute towards his uh, fundraising goal if, if he signs up. That, that's hey, for sure. by the way, me too. All right, he's he's <laughs> off to a roaring start. What can I tell there you? There you go. Very nice. All right, uh, uh, sponsor somebody, everybody. Go to overtheedge.ncsy.org. Take my word for it. New York NCSY is doing a great job always, but especially now uh, during COVID. Uh, it's Sunday, May 9th, the event, but uh, register now if you want to go over the edge and certainly sponsor somebody now if, if you want to sponsor someone who's going, going over the edge at the Tower at Nassau Community College, overtheedge.ncsy.org, overtheedge.ncsy.org. Speak to Ari Green directly at 212-613-8285. Ari, it seems like a really fun event. Good luck with it. 
It really is. One more thing to ask sure. before we go. Yeah. For those people who are concerned because it's Mother's Day and they may have plans, the actual rappelling in total will, let's say, take an hour between training, getting up there, and going down. And we can schedule at certain times throughout the day. So if you have a Mother's Day celebration in the afternoon, we can have you going in the morning and vice ah, versa. So don't good. let that be excuse not to join us on May 9th. Got it. All right, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, and good luck. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Ari Green, Over the Edge, New York NCSY. Sponsor somebody, everybody. OverTheEdge.org. Excuse me, OverTheEdge.NCSY.org. OverTheEdge.NCSY. Dot org. 14 minutes before 9 o'clock. Plenty coming up at JMAM. <laughs> Ya 
J.M. in the A.M. Shirei Zimra with Odecha here at J.M. in the A.M. You heard 613 with Shira Lamelech, Kol Ish Hadadon Olam. Wednesday morning, Sphere Format Wednesday on this 24th day in the counting of the Omer. Day number 24. Uh, <laughs> a reminder... Tomorrow, by the way, we'll speak to our friends in Mizrahi. They are sponsoring our incredible Lagbomer celebration I cannot wait for. Next Friday morning, five hours, a five-hour jam in the AM. Wow. That's pretty amazing. With Avram Rosenblum, the Diasperados, Arye Kunstler. Yeah, be pretty cool, frankly. You'll have a chance to watch around the world. It's also pretty cool. Uh, all the usual places, including uh, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, you know, our website, NahumSiegel.com. whole bunch of great places. <laughs> anyway, uh, a reminder, Margaret Teets Nursing and Rehab Center presents an evening of inspiration in memory of Rabbi Schoenfeld, Rabbi Noah Isaac Elbaum, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld, Rabbi Chaim Schwartz will all be presenting. It'll be moderated by Rabbi Zavol Perlman, coordinator of Jewish affairs at Margaret Teets. You can watch it at the Queen's Jewish Link site, the Shiva World site, margaretteets.org. And it's happening Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Information, just contact the uh, Margaret Teets Nursing and Rehab Center in Queens, and they'll have all that information for you. Also want to remind you about shopeichlers.com. Uh, no matter what you're looking for in the world of Judaica, you'll find it on their website. I think I could say that 
unequivocally, right? You'll find it on the website. No question about it. Uh, hundreds of categories, thousands of items. Same-day delivery if you're living or working in Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Thomas River, Jackson, New Jersey. Same-day delivery. That's something you should keep in mind. Go to shopiclers.com. Enjoy the experience. Great website, great service, and isn't that what it's all about these days? Yeah, basically. <laughs> JM and the AM, Mazel Tov again to Yoni Pollock, Haley Ramras. They are a very recently engaged couple. That's right, our very own Yoni Pollock. And we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. want to thank the chairman of our event coming up on next Friday, like Bomer. Steve Adelsberg, our chairman, and Ralph Rosenbaum, our New Jersey chairman. Thank you uh, for chairing the event. We're looking forward to it. If you want to reach Ralph for his tax tips and uh, the email he's sending out for tax scams to avoid, uh, Ralph at TaxCPA2.com. Ralph at TaxCPA2.com. Achenu Yisrael and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AchimSingle.com, and the AchimSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JM in the AM. By the way, if you missed my conversation with Hadassah Lieberman, Make sure to uh, check out the archive. Great book, great conversation. A lot of good reaction from our listeners on that one. I appreciate that very much. And if you want to help support next week's event, to sponsor our event that's coming up next Friday, the Lagba Omer celebration, feel free. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I thank you. Have a fabulous Wednesday. If you don't receive our... uh, Daily thread, right to Avrami, AF at NahumSiegel.com. So tomorrow, NahumSiegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.